I, I, I realized, I heard some laughter out here, and I realized I, my mic was on, right? And I, I said, I love this, which is okay. I don't mind you hearing that. Uh, yeah, it just, uh, you, you folks are praying for folks, right, that are they're making decisions. And so Mason has been part of the prayers. I told him I'm praying for you, you know, answering any questions. We just kind of go along. And, and so when I received that text, I got to tell you, Brian was sitting right next to me on Wednesday night where we're, praying and, and investing in each other. Anybody's welcome to come, by the way. But Brian was there, and Mason, and, and Nicole was there. And, and uh, um, so Brian's sitting next to me Tuesday morning, and I'm just kind of, and I hand it over to Brian, and Brian, Brian is a tender heart. He's not here, so I could say this, right? But Brian is a tender heart, and he just chokes up. You know, he begins to uh, get a little overwhelmed, but... Uh, uh, anyway, let me, let me proceed. We're going to pray. Maybe that'll help me get my track of my thinking. We definitely want to be there uh, before we go into this, this scripture. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you for your kingdom as we come before you this morning. Uh, all that you've given us to connect to that kingdom, to be a part of, of uh, your work and your purpose is a privilege. So we gathered together as kingdom people this morning, and we're taking your book that, that lays out your story and how we're a part of that and what, what we're called to do. And we just ask this morning as we look at your scriptures that you lead and guide us. Father, perhaps this morning we're going to receive encouragement. Uh, perhaps your spirit is going to lead us into a repentance. Uh, it'll challenge us. Uh, Lord, but overall, we just want your work to be happening in our lives. Help us, Father, to step aside. May ourselves, uh, may we step aside and allow you to work upon us uh, what you desire, what you want of our lives. Help us to pay close attention, God, to your word and your way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, last week had the opportunity to go preach at the district church. And if, if you've been with us for a while, you know that's... that. Those of you have been a part of investing in, in our boys over the years or know our boys, uh, they had a big hand in, in planting that district church. So when Travis called and said, hey, uh, we'd love for you to come and preach on Father's Day, I, I was there to give them a break. I thought it was a special case. No, I was just there to give them a break. But I loved the opportunity. Uh, to, to be able to speak to that congregation. We've been praying for, many of you I know have, praying for that congregation, watching them grow and, and, and just really take off and doing great things. In, in the De Delano district, if you're familiar with Wichita, it's, it's an area where one, one church had closed its doors and several churches in that area are just kind of, uh, they're, they're at that place of either just floundering or, or folding. You know, so that it, it really is a, a ideal place to to go and plant a church, and and I love watching that from the beginning. Uh, and along with all that, man, I appreciate Ty Zimmerman who came and and preached last week. I heard, uh, I, I listened to it myself. Know he did a great job, and I know it influenced and encouraged many of you as well. Hearing those uh, throughout the week, he he dealt with that Acts chapter seven, right, uh, concerning Stephen. Who, who was the messenger of God, absolutely. He, he was only supposed to be a deacon, right? In our minds, why is he not serving those tables? But he became so much more. 
and, and the way he was able to stand before the religious leaders and declare, actually go into the Old Testament and lay out all the details in the, in, in the Old Testament and say, you're just like them. And uh, uh, not only was he a messenger for God, became, but he became the first martyr as they stoned him and, and killed him. Um, those, that's what we're actually diving into today is, is looking how this execution of, of Stephen brought about a severe persecution in the church. I, I, I kind of, in my mind, I, it's that phrase, pop the cork, all the pressure is there. There's, there's just some anxiety amongst the religious leaders wanted to be uh, just done with them. And, and so when Stephen was uh, executed in this way on this particular day, they just opened the door for all kinds of persecution that we're going to see as we read chapter 8, 1 through 8. Um, in, in this, Gamaliel, uh, that, that religious leaders had to ignore what Gamaliel said. I want to go back and remember in, in, in chapter 5 where they were brought before the, the Sanhedrin again. They were ready to do something. What are we going to do with them? You know, was it stoning? Was it imprison them? Uh, they were discussing it. Gamaliel stood up in front and said, hey, listen, listen, leave them alone. Leave them alone. If this isn't from God, it's just going to stop. But he said, if this is from God, who could stop it? Matter of fact, you'll find yourselves opposing God. So in this persecution, these religious leaders, religious leaders have made a bold step to oppose God. Uh, let's, let's look at chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. Uh, it starts with this great persecution. 8 and verses 1 says, And Saul approved of his execution. That's Stephen's execution. This is right off, uh, right, right directly after that execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. That's kind of, that, that really is a key verse for us this morning. Those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Verse 5. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what has been said, what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Again, here's the start of this great persecution. I, 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 want, I want you to see something with me in verse 1 and 8. In, in verse 1, it begins with this great uh, beginnings of persecution that happened in the church. And then what do we see in verse 8? So there was much joy in that city. <laughs> I, I, I love, but that, that really shows us that God is involved in this whole story, 
right? It begins with great persecution, which is nothing about joy. But by the end, in verse 8, in the city where Philip is going to, there's much joy in that city. Keep that in mind as we, we go on. That the, the, the thing I would like to work through in this is, is what are we as a church doing today? I want to think about that and how, how obviously our mission is to take the gospel and, and to continue that spread. It, it doesn't end till Jesus returns. And, and so I, I wondered what message is there for us here? And I think it's that, that, that phrase that I learned a long time ago as a Boy Scout. That, that theme that says, be prepared. By the way, I wasn't a good Boy Scout, but I remember the motto, okay? Hey, it was be prepared. And, and as a church, we ought to be prepared to act on behalf of the gospel. And when I say act on the behalf of the gospel, be a part of its movement outside these walls into our community and throughout this world. So people know the joy that we have found in Jesus. Thank you, Donna. Okay, you could stay later. I'll give you more later. All right, just for that. I don't want to threaten anybody about you got to stay later if you say amen. Anyway, uh, so be prepared. Uh, there are some thoughts I want to share with you this morning uh, that, that we need to consider as we look to spread this gospel. First of all, the first thought, and matter of fact, this one's a fact, is that, and it's this, that no matter what comes, our purpose doesn't change. No matter what comes, it doesn't change the purpose that we have been given by Jesus who commissioned us to go make disciples. Go tell them about the gospel message. Continue this, this ongoing spread of the gospel to those who don't know Jesus. We want to do this well. If we did anything well as a church, this is the one thing we want to do. I, want, I, want, I would love more Masons. And, 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 and more ladies uh, coming to the baptistry and, and just saying, hey, or I would love to receive more text messages and say, I want to receive Christ. I want to do that. Or even hear those words expressed. Uh, and there's a lot of people in our community that need to make that step. And they need to be invited into that, right? Now, the church we've seen so far in this book of Acts has been thriving. We know thousands have been receiving Christ so far. And, and then uh, in, in these pages, watching Stephen being, being killed, and then it just, it just releases this persecution on the church, uh, things change. Um, things have changed. Uh, and and, and the, the, the persecution they're facing, we see in, in verse 3 that, that Saul is actually going door to door. The persecution so far has been before the Sanhedrin where they are questioning and then charging them. Hey, don't go tell anyone else. The next time they were brought in, they were, they were said, basically said, hey, we told you not to teach and you're out there teaching. So they were beaten and released. But when Stephen preached, when Stephen preached, they accused him of blasphemy and killed him. And now, instead of just before the Sanhedrin, Saul is going house to house. No one's safe. House to house. Uh, more than likely, uh, putting anyone in prison who identifies Jesus to being the Messiah, the chosen one, who, who chooses to believe in him. They were placed in prison and with the potential of being executed themselves. So it is really ramped up. 
the response that, that we find that in verse 4, as I said, that was key, is that the people were scattered. The people were scattered. Those, these believers were scattered. Um, when it says scattered, I found very unique, you know, in, in this language, uh, for instance, love, there has so many different words. There's different words for scatter. There's a scatter that is chaotic and destructive, and there's a scatter uh, that, that is used here. And, and it's also used in, in the parable of the sower. When, when, when the parable of the sower, he goes out and he sows seed is the same word as scatter. So I, I like that idea of seeds being scattered because that's what's taking place. People who have received Jesus, who know the message of Jesus, are now being scattered in all kinds of directions. We see here Philip in, in verses 5 through 8. He goes down to, to the territory of, of Samaria, within that area of Samaria. But there's other places as well. Uh, later on, we're going to read Acts chapter 11, 19 through 21, where it includes that because of this persecution that arose after Stephen, uh, they went to places like Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch and, and, Cy and Cyrene as well. So when, when it, it wasn't just to, to Samaria, Luke is using this as an example of the spreading. It went everywhere. Believers were taking the message of Christ everywhere and declaring the message of Jesus. Um, in this as well, uh, thinking more about, about Philip, uh, he went to uh, this area of Samaria, to either Shechem or, or Gedda. Those are some ideas that are laid out there. Uh, the present Samaria, the city of Samaria, had become more, uh, more Roman. So areas where the Samaritans were was, was places like Shechem and Geta. Uh, Geta. Uh, now, Stephen was a deacon who was executed. And there in, in chapter 6, chosen to be a deacon, and then he preached. Philip is as well a deacon within the church. It's important to see how the church responded here. You would think that with the command that God laid out, it, we go clear back to chapter 1, verse 8, is, was this a command or is this what's going to happen? He said, you're, you're going to be my witnesses to, to all Judea, to Jerusalem, to all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we see that, that man, a, a strategy meeting is needed. But we don't see that in the book of Acts, where the apostles have to get together and say, let's plan this out. How are we going to you know, reach all of Jerusalem? That was happening already. But there's, there's many cities in the surrounding Judea area, and, and of course Samaria. And then, how are you going to take it to the ends of the world? So you, have you been part of strategy meetings? How are we going to move the business? How are we going to work things? We don't see any kind of planning in the details here. What we see is, is actually, you know, what God said in chapter 1 is this is what's going to happen. This, this is what's going to happen. And it actually came through this persecution. They didn't allow the difficult circumstances of, of being thrown in prison or, or their lives threatened to thwart their responsibility. They did move. They did move. They were forced to move and, and go in other locations. And, and the truth is, is they did not leave Jesus and that message of Jesus behind. They took it with them. 
strategy is definitely good, and, and, and we're going to see more strategy as we go through the book of Acts. But in this case, this was absolutely orchestrated by God. When persecution arose, this difficulty caused the spreading of the gospel. Changes come, right? We all know that. That's just true. A lot of us don't like change. I'd ask you to raise your hand, but that'd be change in the service, and that would just blow that we don't have raising hands in church. No. Uh, so anyway, uh, we, we, we tend to, to like things the way they are. We like things to be comfortable, but in this situation, uh, these changes come that we cannot, I, there are those changes that come that we, we don't have control of. Changes because of society. Isn't that right? I mean, w we should know that by now with what we've gone through in the past few years. Just a couple of instances. We go through a, 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 a pandemic. And, and there's, there's definitely things that happening and, and changing all around us. And, and, and what was our main concern through the pandemic? I, I don't remember a meeting where we got together and said, okay, what can we do during this time to continue winning souls? Anybody a part of that meeting? Yeah, you can raise your hand if, even if you don't like change. Uh, anybody a part of a meeting where, hey, we cannot allow this pandemic to, to, to cause us to be silent about spreading the gospel? Though the one thing I know we as a church have done is now we're online. Even as Eric said, you know, there's those joining us uh, online for services. I'm not real thrilled about that. I like to be together, and many of you I know are the same, and, and how necessary that is. But I do know that several folks have watched before they even come and, and join us, and I, I appreciate that. So, so if that, if God is using that in any way to help others come to know Jesus, then praise God for, for that, the spread that in that direction. I also think, you know, concerning society, uh, our woke world around us. And the only thing I want to say about a woke world is there are a lot of angry people for a lot of different issues all around us, right? Ab that's one thing I want to talk about, the wokeness. There are a lot of people who are just absolutely angry and some of them can't even explain why. They'll, they'll use terminology and things they've been fed, but, but a lot of their wokeness is, is throwing daggers or rocks in, in our direction. Uh, if you just identify as following after Jesus, uh, there's anger directed at you. How do you deal with that in this life? How do you, how do you uh, face those difficulties? I think we're going to deal with a possibility of, of, of uh, what that looked like here in the scriptures. The second point, well, uh, we do know that from all that, the, the possibility of persecution is right there. It's right there. It, we know it's been working through the world, but not, not in the United States, not where we live. But we do see the rise of that possibility more and more. And, and wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that, persecution, wouldn't that be great? That's kind of a, a morbid thing to say. But in all honesty, look what it's done in the book of Acts. Look what it's done in the book of Acts. Persecution has acted or has caused the people in Jerusalem who are enjoying and loving the, the new relationships in Christ, it caused them to be dispersed to do what? 
to continue that spread of the gospel message. To absolutely fulfill what God said was going to happen is the spread of God's message. We don't wish or want persecution. We don't want to be uncomfortable in that way. But if we're kingdom-minded, if we're looking at people in our community, if that's what it took, if, if a rise in persecution, uh, a rise in stone throwing and things like that, in order for people who don't know Jesus to come to the place to genuinely accept him as Savior, would that not be a reason to say, okay, if it takes persecution, bring it on? That's a, that's a bold statement, I know. But I believe that's absolutely true. Bring on the persecution if it's going to bring people to Jesus. If it's going to cause the church to be more mobile than we are right now. We're comfortable here, not real comfortable out there. Let me talk to you a little bit about that in this second point. Uh, here is the thought that comes from this. These people were ready. These people were ready to take the message out. And, and we ourselves, we need to learn and put into practice telling this gospel. We all know the gospel. If we're in Christ, we know the gospel. We, we know what it is. Uh, they, are, they are definitely, they are um, going out and preaching the scriptures. Now, the word translated for all versions seems to be preaching. But this same word could be used in, in uh, declaring or announcing or telling. So when, when you look at this preaching, you think, oh, it's what Ronnie's doing right here today. He's standing up in front of everybody and, and you know, stumbling over words and things like that. I don't want to be in that place at all. I don't want to be in that place of standing up in front of all these people. But, but the, the fact is, is telling or announcing can be done one-on-one. -on -one. And, and matter of fact, that's probably the best way we're going to accomplish this purpose of getting the message outside this building. It's going to be each one of us taking ownership of what we received in Jesus Christ. The message that we received in Christ to be able to share with others. Listen, what is it that these people had? Well, like you, they heard and received the message. The message they heard from Peter, go back and ask. So, I mean, what was the key part of that message? Okay, Jesus died and God raised him. We heard that several times. But we know the reason that Jesus died for us is because it's because of our sinfulness, our, our fallenness. The fact that as, if we were to stand before a, 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 a holy God or the holy God, that all we should expect is to be destroyed or wiped out because that's what we deserve. That's why we know there's joy here. In Christ, matter of fact, I said this to Mesa up there, in Christ, all that is removed. All that condemnation, all that shame is removed. And what, what Jesus has provided is now we have this wonderful relationship with the Father. That's our message. That's the gospel message. It really is simple. And, and so how do we share with people that message? Uh, my, my encouragement has and, and will continue to be, will you share your story? Will you share your story? How is it that you came to know Jesus? I encourage you to write out your story. To, to write out the very beginnings. Keep it simple. You know, where, when is it that you realized your sinfulness? Uh, and, and what was your sinfulness? You know, uh, 
you knew and, and, and you knew that separation between you and God, and then you heard this message of Jesus and, and you received him as your Savior, you repented of your sinfulness, those things that condemn you, repented and received Christ, uh, perhaps that baptism that you went through, and even more so, what Jesus is doing in your life right now. We talked about that a little bit last time I preached was that transformation, that continue, uh, continuing work of God within us. That's, that, that identifies us as believers as well. His continued work within our lives. Isn't that right? And, and I could share those details. I could come along of any sinner and say, I know what you're living through. I know what it is to deny and, and, and live my pride and live my sinfulness and continue to fill that emptiness. I know what that's like. But here's what Jesus did in my life, and here's what he continues to do in my life. So we have that opportunity to share. Here's what I encourage you to do. Write that down. And, and with a brother or sister of Christ, share it, practice it. And then even as you get together, maybe ask questions that non-believers would ask. You know, questions like, well, where do you get that? You know, let me show you in the scriptures. Well, where do we get the Bible from? And if you don't know the answers to that, you get to find out. <laughs> find the resource. Maybe it's questions that you've never asked that, that I never thought about that. It, I, I'm not worried. Uh, be, very much the, the foundation that we stand upon are the scriptures. Very much the foundation we stand upon is the resurrection of Jesus as our Savior. I, I think about uh, uh, the one place of uh, difficult places to go in sharing our faith. Philip went into that area of Samaria. Any, anybody think about while the Samaritans were, were you know, despicable people to the Jews... So Philip went into an area that really Jews don't associate with Samaritans. There, there's a separation. Samaritans, Jews. Hey, you worship where you worship, and, and we'll worship in Jerusalem, but let's not mix those up. Remember that? There, there is some historical reasons we could go back and look. You know, the separation of the nations it began with, and, and the things they did as a people, and intermarrying, and all that turned them into Samaritan dogs, and we just don't associate with those people. But now through Christ, he included, hey, all Judea and Samaria when he laid that out. Well, man, very exciting. And so, Philip, I'm not sure what exactly led Philip to go to Samaria. Maybe there was some, some, some connection some way to go to Samaria, but he went to those two cities I mentioned earlier. I do think it was... Um, um, uh, possibly that, that uh, place of Shechem where, where Jesus met with the, with the woman at the well. John chapter 4. Uh, he met with the woman at the well. Even that, that, there was some hostility in that conversation. Do you notice? When Jesus meets the woman, she says, hey, she wanted to identify the lines right away. Hey, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan, let alone a woman. And yet Jesus engaged her in conversation. Just didn't even care about the fact that she was a Samaritan. And, and 
through the conversation, Jesus offered her living water. If you only knew who I was, I'd give you living water. And, and by the time the conversations ended, she was running back to her village or her, her city to go tell everybody, I've met the Messiah. you got to come see him. Wow, Jesus had that opportunity. Think about Philip. In Philip, that verses 6 and 8, 6, through, six and 7, excuse me. Here's what it says again. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. He's in this Samaritan town. And, and when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. Those signs are kind of listed out in verse 7. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So, so there was delivering and healing going on uh, through Philip, as well as declaring that gospel at the same time. So these two guys had quite the advantage, I would say. Philip had a tremendous advantage of doing signs and wonders, and, and here Jesus, <laughs> come on. Jesus had a tremendous advantage. What's our advantage? Have you ever thought about that? What's our advantage? Do we have an advantage? Or are we just to go out there and suffer through all the nerves and the fear and all that in order to deliver the gospel message? Uh, yeah, there is an advantage that we have. But my third point is this. Know that God is working. Know that, is, know that God is working and will catch the attention of people. Uh, there's, there's a lot on God's shoulders when we go out to declare the message of Jesus, him crucified. Know that, understand that. I do believe the working of our faith is essential when it comes to sharing our faith. Do you want to see faith working in someone? Ask them, Sam, are you sharing your faith? Are you, are you taking it out into the community? Are you, are you praying for others in order for them to come to know Jesus and finding those opportunities to speak to them? Faith, faith has to be in place when, when we're active in telling others about Jesus. Um, when, when I think about this passage, God was definitely involved in Acts. I, he, was, he, he gave us the message, first of all. We all have that same message about Jesus, right? He was part of that message. Holy Spirit was working even in speaking uh, for Peter and, and believe you know, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, spoke as well. Um, also, thinking about God was also present through the miracles and the signs and wonders that were being performed. We don't have that. We don't have that. I wonder. The truth is, bottom line, I, I think that we need to just trust God today to act. Moving forward in faith, what is it that God is able to do in things? I, I think about this area of pray, praying, being able to pray for those we're going to have conversation with, we're going to sit down with. God, would you please catch their attention? I, I actually love that prayer. God, he, he did it in Acts. God, would you catch their attention in various ways? I'm not asking people to become Benny Hinn. Please, no, okay? There, there's such condemnation upon shysters like him, guys who take advantage and, and are becoming wealthy out of things they claim comes from God, and it does not. But what I'm talking about is just being real and genuine before God. 
with all your fear, because I know it's difficult to confront anybody or to not, not even use the word confront or to share your faith, to, to just open it. You, you're, not, you're not there to threaten them or anything. You have a gift to give to them. You have, you have the message of life to give to them. So my encouragement is make prayer a part of your life in, in reaching out to others. Pray, God, please catch the attention of, of maybe an individual. I, I, I go to lunch with a, a brother in Christ who's actually a fellow minister here in town. I went to lunch with him here recently, actually past couple of times. He's done this twice. But as, before we're, we're about to pray together, uh, my friend just asked the waitress, you know, before she leaves, hey, we're about to pray. Is there anything that, that's burdening you or something that we could pray about for you? And, and neither of the waitresses that we met just walked away and said no. Uh, matter of fact, one, one waitress really was burdened for her son and shared some details with us to pray for her son. It was just an open door, and so she, she stood there for a little bit and, and kind of wept over her son and decisions he's making, and, and oh, God, you know, please, please take that before God. I, I don't know whether my friend had it, but what a great opening opportunity. Let me pray for you. I've done that with a few folks. Man, I, I, I know someone who's in, under crisis or something, and I'll just walk up and say, man, can I pray for you? Can I pray with you over that? And it gives opportunities just for those people to have, you know, or for God to have their attention, that they're paying attention and preparing them to listen. I don't know what God is going to do through your prayer. I mean, can you pray for healing? Absolutely. I believe that whenever someone is sick or we have those requests all the time, we're going to pray. God, will you act? God, will you, will you help them through this situation? I'm not looking for a Benny Hinn or, or any of those other guys' situation. I'm just talking about God acting. You see, the whole thing I'm saying is that we have a responsibility. Our, our responsibility is to share that gospel. And the only addition I would say is, hey, ask God, look for God to be involved. One thing we definitely know is we want God to be involved in the working of their heart. It's his work, not yours. He's the one. We share that message. We tell them about Jesus. And, and, and perhaps even, you know, they will have to chew on it for a while and think. And, and, but ultimately, it is going to be their decision directed by God. I, I, we ought to be praying. Praying for some individuals we know who don't know Jesus. Or praying for even chance meetings that we find opportunity to share Christ with others. Isn't that right? We ought, to be, we ought to be getting really good at this. this. This is our great purpose as a church, is that Jesus is becoming known to those who are your neighbors, those you're working with, those that you meet uh, throughout the week. All those are opportunities for people to come to know Jesus. Prayer is a big part of that because God wants to be involved in that. You're not alone in spreading that gospel. And as Bill said earlier, I don't want to miss this, Bill. That was good. That the Holy Spirit is in our lives directing, guiding, and working as well. Are you ready? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, are you ready? I, I had one guy tell us, he said, why aren't we being persecuted? <laughs> not, why aren't we? 
maybe it's just the church is comfortable just coming to a building on the week and then being silent all the other times. Uh, perhaps we ought to get a little bit more busy outside the church, worshiping, sharing Jesus with those who don't know him. Let me go through these. No matter what comes in life, no matter the difficulties, our, our purpose stays the same. We are to share that gospel message. We need to learn and put into practice telling that gospel message. And finally, we need to know that God is right there with us. The, pre the Holy Spirit's presence within us, and he wants to work his salvation in those that we have the opportunity to share. That's what he desires. He just wants us to join him. <laughs> Tell that message. Lay it upon their hearts, and then let God do the work through his spirit and through his word. Let's pray. That's probably the best thing we could do this morning. Father in heaven, we praise you for your word. We praise you, Lord, that we've been able to watch and witness the beginnings of the church. And, and now that persecution has happened, Lord, even in persecution, there's such a great advantage for the spread of that gospel message. It's not just joy known in Jerusalem, but now it's Judea and, and Phoenicia and, and other places, even to the, the places now we here are enjoying it today. Look how it spread and continues to spread. Father, we know as a body of believers that we are called to be responsible in, in telling others about Jesus. Strengthen us, Father. Strengthen our faith. Strengthen our boldness. Help us to find those ways to just draw people into conversations. And Lord, we ask that, that you're involved. Lord, as we step forward, please, we ask that, that you will draw their attention, uh, that, that they will be willing to listen, willing to ask questions, and willing to engage. And then, Lord, may we just be patient as you work upon the hearts of those who hear this precious message. And then bring them to salvation. God, you're good to us. And Lord, you have done so much uh, to encourage and strengthen and build us up. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.